0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon podcast.
1: place to be on Wednesday night right here in the middle of the week. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord for all those that amen are joining us online as well. We welcome you and thank you for being with us tonight. I uh, just want to make you aware one one more time again of our mission's trip this August September Dominican Republic. We purchased a building there for a church in the city of Puerto Plata. And everyone that would like to go, we'd love for you to be able to go. If you have an interest in going on this mission trip, and maybe you don't have all of the finances, um, come see me, let me know. But uh, we're going to go down there, do a little bit of work. It'll be light work. Uh, Have some services. And uh, really, that's going to be our main focus, dedicating that building, be a blessing to the congregation there. And this is at the end of the August over Labor Day weekend, and so that's going to be a great time. There are a few brochures left out there, and uh, maybe you can't go, but you'd like to be a sponsor of the trip. If you want to do that, you can do that as well. And it's going to be an awesome time, Believing God, for some great things there. Amen. Amen. We're going to dismiss our children and our youth class tonight. Amen, in the name of the Lord. And uh, we're going to get into, amen, God's book tonight. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Welcome to the house of the Lord. For those that uh, were not here Sunday, we did take up a Mother's Memorial offering. Uh, What a wonderful day we had on Mother's Day here. And, uh, but we took up a special offering. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can still give online or anywhere else and just designate that mother's memorial. And, uh, thank you for your faithfulness and giving. How many know you can't outgive give the Lord? You can't outgive give the Lord. Even in the midst of inflation, you cannot give the Lord. And to just be faithful, just be faithful. Just keep on doing what you ought to do. Amen. God's not asking us amen, to go out every single day and accomplish some great big thing. I think sometimes we think in goal oriented ways. He simply asked us to be what he wants us to be. And that's to be like him. So you're already winning. You're here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to anoint his word tonight. Lord, I thank you tonight for the opportunity to stand in your presence, stand in your house. I thank you for everyone that's made their way to the house of the Lord. And I thank you for your word that gives us principles to live by. That is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that instructs us. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our eyes would be open tonight to what you want to speak into our life. And I pray that you would encourage the body of Christ tonight. Lift us up by your Holy Spirit. We pray tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. And we are continuing in our study here of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And we finished at verse number 22. And tonight we will finish this portion here that began in chapter number 8 where Paul began speaking on the subject of meat offered to idols. And from that, it was, uh, it was a real issue in the church there. But how many knows that sometimes the issue isn't really the issue? and there's more beneath that that is really the issue. And so Paul is getting at that, and he's, he's talking to them about really their contentions and their divisions in the church. There's a lot of divisions in the church, and uh, he's going to address that again in the chapters following here. And they were finding something to argue over, and so Paul used the point of division or the point of argument to really unpack it, unfold it, and talk about uh, the rights and the wrongs and the attitudes and the spirits that we have. So, if you are uh, if you have been in the church for uh, any measure of time, really, you're going to be aware that there do arise from time to time divisions in the church, or maybe divisions is a strong word, but differences of opinion, or it may even go beyond opinion, it may go to differences of interpretation, differences of lifestyle, differences, of course, then even sometimes and often differences of doctrine. And so Paul walks this, I don't want to say fine line, but he, he... He sets forth a course of helping us to navigate how to both contend for the faith and to stand for truth and yet to be uh, long-suffering and work with, uh, be kind to those that in other parts he calls the weaker brethren, those that may not always see things the way you see them and that oftentimes every one of us is going to think, well, I'm the right one, but he cautions us. How many have ever thought that? Well, I'm the right one, right? I mean, amen. But he cautions us to be careful because we're not God and to approach any argument with the spirit of humility because we can be wrong. We can be blind. We can be blind to things. And so Paul really, he exhausts this now, three chapters. He's going through this issue of meat offered to idols, but he's really trying to get at the heart, the spirit of the matter behind this. And rather than just run people off and make a decision and say, Well, I stand, I side with this person, or rather than say, you're right and you're wrong, Paul really, in a powerful yet delicate way, says, Y'all wrong. Yeah. And he does so, I, I think, in a way that makes us sit there and think, oh, yeah, okay, well, well, maybe I need to do the right thing. I need to change here. Isn't that, isn't that a powerful thing about the Holy Ghost? The Spirit of God can just come in and help us see the error of our ways and, and let us know it's not about us. And the Holy Ghost, uh, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the ministry of the Word of God even, by extension, now here through the Apostle Paul as he's instructed by the Spirit, led by the Spirit to write this, he does such a loving thing, and that is that he corrects us and and rebukes them for the intent of helping them and edifying them and strengthening them. Now, how many know when you're off course, you, you, uh, correction can save your life even if we don't like it, correction can save our life. I was coming back last night and uh, into town, and I, I was up in Bloomington, and I thought, man, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way home. I called Janelle. I'm on my way home. I'm going to be okay, and as soon as I got in the car, 15 minutes down the road, all of a sudden, it's, I don't know, it's that, that late afternoon law or something. It was just hitting me, and I'm, I'm starting to feel like I'm falling asleep. And uh, thank God for the rumble strips right on the highway. They're the most annoying thing ever, and yet I'm so thankful that they're there. I praise God that they're there. Like, I, I welcome, them. we need those in every neighborhood. <laughs> we, need, we need those in life, in every avenue, in every area of life. And, uh, you know, we all brag, we we all like to think, most of us, maybe some of us in here are honest enough, but we all like to think that we're good drivers. (laughs) But I got news for you, not everybody out there is a good driver, which probably means not every one of us in this room is a good driver. There's a reason for those rumble strips that are on the side of the road, but we welcome those because that can save you, that can help you. And, and that's, what, that's what's happening here in this passage of Scripture, what Paul is talking about. It's bigger than the issue of just meat offered to idols. And he goes through all of that. He tells them, we, we came through it last week, where he warned them. He said, don't be so arrogant in your faith that you think that you're beyond sinning yourself. Because while you're thinking everything's all right, you've actually got sin creeping in. And he used the Old Testament illustration of Israel. And, and this was lewd stuff, if you will, sexual immorality and all kinds of perversion and wickedness while it's creeping in, And Paul says that that is possible even among you. You who have been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the baptism of the Spirit, are called Christians. If you're not careful, you can turn the very act of Christianity into some idolatrous thing, and you can bring things into your heart. So that, he, he says, this is for an example. This is, take heed, take a warning in there that you need, you need the grace of God. You need all the, you need all the help you can get. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So don't be offended when some of the best advice I've ever had in my life, okay, don't, don't be offended by this. Those of you that have been in church longer than I've been alive. Some of the best advice I've ever had in my life was when my pastor or my youth pastor or some spiritual elder or maybe even a friend just said, you know what? I think you really just need to pray through. What were they saying? They were saying you just need to get, go back to an altar and if you'll just pray through until the Holy Ghost comes, it's going to change everything. And and I'm gonna tell you, that's some of the best advice that I've ever had. And it's probably some of the best advice I'd ever given. And if I give you that advice, don't be offended, because truth is, you do need to pray through. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right? Come on. Yeah. Paul said it another way. He said, Well, I thank God. He, he was looking at all their troubles. He said, Man, I thank God I pray, I, I speak in tongues more than you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was his soft way of saying. Yeah, I need God a lot, so I go back and I pray through, but clearly you don't have the revelation of how much you need God. (laughs) Help us all to get a revelation, amen, Amen. of how much I need God. And it doesn't matter how long you've been sitting on that pew. It doesn't matter how long you've held that position, doesn't matter how long, whatever it is, whether you've been preaching, whether whatever, never let yourself stray far from the altar.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Amen. <sighs> Amen.
1: Be comfortable at the altar. Don't say, well, yeah, you know, I got the Holy Ghost 45 years ago. <laughs>
0: Come on. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
1: And leave somebody to think, yeah, we can tell.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I'll never forget, I was a young kid. I had so many good influences in my life as a young teenager. And I thank God that he put a lot of rumble strips in my life when I was young. And I remember I was, I was nervous. You know, it's an intimidating thing when you would go to the altar and you would go pray and you, would, you, you needed to touch God and I got to a place of realization in my heart of how much I needed God in my life. And it was a large church. And so, you know, Easter's, we'd have 2,500 or more. And I usually always sat down on this section, usually on the front row somewhere. The Front row is about as probably as long as that on that side. And I'd sit over there and I determined, I learned something that if I set up in the front row, it was as if there was only 25 people on the whole room, because I couldn't see the thousands behind me, and so I could worship freely. So for me, I just sat on the front row. If I sat in the back, all of a sudden I was aware of everybody else, and uh, when the Spirit was moving on me, I, first thing I thought was, "What's everybody else going to think?" So this is just take it from me. If you need a good thing, there's room up here. You can sit next to me on the front row if that's what it takes. I welcome you to come sit by pastor on the front row. And then when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I would get so nervous. I made a note. I can still remember. I made a note. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And it literally said, go to the altar. And I put it by my light switch so that when I left my room and I flipped my light out, the last note that I saw to myself on my way to church was go to the altar. Now, what does that mean? Well, at the end of our Pentecostal service, we, we would we have prayer we, like we do here on Sundays, and we'd invite people to come down to the altar. And I sat through so many services where I felt like the Holy Ghost was drawing me, and the Spirit was pulling me, and I felt like the message was for me, or there was a pull of the Spirit, and I would sit back there and not go. And I think, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. I'll let some other people go, and I'll just wait. And then all of a sudden you get in that awkward point of, okay, I'm going to wait for one more. And then I'm going to wait for one more. And then all of a sudden service goes by, and they're dismissing, and I didn't go down. And I remember when I finally broke through that and I went back to the altar and I got down there, man, just let the Holy Ghost work me over. There was something in my spirit when I poured it out and God just released me from all of that bondage, from all of that just bound up. Just there was a liberty in the Holy Ghost that it did something so much to me as a determined person. I determined I'm going to the altar every service that I'm at. And I wrote that down. And I would be down there and I, I determined, I might even be the first one in the altar. As soon as the pastor would give the altar, I was going to the altar. And it didn't matter if he got up and said, I feel like somebody is bound by alcohol in here that God wants to get a hold of you. My little 14-year-old self would march down there like I was the worst alcoholic in the room. <laughs> because I was determined, I'm going to go to the altar. And that was probably one of the greatest things that I ever did in my life because it helped me realize that it doesn't matter where I am at or what I am doing, every service that I am in, God has something to give to me and there's something that I need to get from the Lord. I don't know why, I'm not even, I'm not even in my text yet. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. But that's just, that spiritual admonishment that I'm feeling tonight. So I don't know who you are. I don't know who that's for, but there's one, two, three, four, five seats open Sunday morning. Yep. Don't you worry about what anybody else thinks. I'm serious. I'm as dead serious as I've ever been. If you're worried about what anybody else says, you come down and sit by me. You just say, I'm sitting by pastor. And I'll be the first one to go with you to the altar. I'll worship with you. I'll be right there because we have, whatever it takes. Now, do you have to sit on the front? No, you don't have to sit on the front row. There's nothing about the front row. But for me, it was getting past the thing in my head that kept me from getting what God had for me. So whatever you've got to do to get past yourself and realize, God, I need you for myself, you got to do. And this really, isn't it funny? This, This is the issue behind the issue. It's meat offered to idols, but Paul's really saying, no, you need the Holy Ghost. You need God in your life. You need the Lord in your life. You need the Spirit of God in your life. And that's what's going to make the difference. As I preached last Sunday, it's the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. In fact, I'm probably going to preach that this Sunday too. So don't come be surprised if I preach the same thing I preached last Sunday Amen. on this Sunday.
0: Good. Yeah. yeah. Amen.
1: And maybe I'm just preaching to myself, but if I am, bless God, I need the Holy Ghost too. Yeah. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter number 10, and let's pick up here in verse number 23. Thank you, Brother Clayton, for reading for us last week. I teased him, it was not your fault that I went long. But I made, I made a little comment there and a joke at the end. I didn't want him to be offended, so I know he wasn't. That was a joke there, right there. So, yeah. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. So Paul's going on, and he's going to give us another statement. Let's read here.
0: All things are lawful for me. Yes. But all things are not expedient. Okay. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not.
1: All things edify not. Okay. So this is a quote, which if you were here weeks past, in chapter 6... And verse number 12, we already dealt with this statement here when Paul uh, quoted this. So if you flip back in your Bible to uh, chapter 12 of verse number 6, or chapter, sorry, chapter 6, verse number 12, rather, he said, There all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Our things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And that, a lot of people believe... Now this is a little bit of a guess, but there is some parallels or some some evidence that seem to suggest that this first phrase he is saying, "All things are lawful for me," was a common saying in their in their city among Corinthians. All things are lawful for me; I can do anything; nothing is restrained for me. That was sort of the attitude, and so he's addressing this this worldly phrase or ideology that has now made its way into the church which is very possible. It's possible for us even today to bring a worldly ideology or a secular or a, a societal uh, group think into the church and apply it within our Christian living. And, he, and so he says here, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient or not all things are helpful. Not all things are beneficial and he's been talking on the matter of Christian liberty on 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 freedom we we know we have Christian liberty he said we know there's no idol so i can eat meat and it's nothing more than just what it is it's it's meat but to the person that believes in that idol they open up themselves to the demonic they open up themselves to the to the to the ungodly and to them it's something and so i'm not going to partake He's already gone through this. I'm not going to partake in their uh, uh, wrong uh, ideology. And he's saying here to those that are demanding, all things are lawful for me, that I ought to be able to do anything. I've been set free by God. Bless God, nobody ought to restrict me. Nobody can tell me what to do. The Lord's already delivered me from bondage. He said, okay, but not everything is beneficial for you. Okay? Just because you can do it doesn't mean that it's going to benefit you, that it's going to be helpful for you, that it's going to edify you. Not everything edifies you. In fact, some things that you might be free to do could actually be a waste of time and taking away from other things in life. Now, this verse of Scripture is a powerful verse of Scripture, and one that I believe is the mark of wisdom, of discernment, and of spiritual maturity. Now this is important because I want you to grab this principle here. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but not all things edify not. And so just because you can do things or you don't have to do certain things doesn't mean that that's going to benefit you. And there is... Application of wisdom to your life that is so critical, and in, in regard to this, later on he's going to see that some of the things that you you may be free to do, but in your doing it may actually hinder somebody else or cause a stumbling block for somebody else. And so while you're over here demanding that this is my right and this is my freedom, it actually you're saying, oh look, I can do this, but you're actually hindering someone else. And so you have to have discernment in your life over the way that you live. This is where it's really getting down. How do I live? What do I do? We're getting down to the nitty-gritty of what you even eat, how you eat it, where you eat it, and who you eat it with. This is the subject here. And Paul is saying basically everything in your life, there's things you may be at liberty to do, but you need wisdom, you need discernment and adapting this principle into your life is the mark of the spiritually mature yes okay so how many want to be spiritually mature i want to be spiritually mature okay well then that means you're going to have to walk with discretion you're going to have to walk at times with restraint You're going to have to walk understanding at times, this is okay for me, but it's not okay for somebody around, so I'm going to withhold, even though it's my right and my liberty in a different context, it may be permissible, but where I'm at, it's not permissible. These are marks of spiritual maturity. I tell you, if you find some Christian that disregards this principle, they're not a spiritually mature person.
0: Amen. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right.
1: Why? Because a baby when it's first born doesn't even comprehend the concept of another. All it knows is my, 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 me, 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 me. What I need, I need, I need, I need. What I can do, what I can do, what I can do. No, 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 no. Don't tell me. And that is, that is spiritually immature. Yeah. And we have so much spiritual immaturity today in Christianity. Yeah. People demanding their rights arguing for their rights, arguing for what they could do, arguing for what they ought to be able to do. Don't anybody tell me what I can't do. And this is totally the wrong tone that Paul is saying. This flies in the face of, of, uh, of our culture today. So the principle here that Paul is giving us is don't do things which have no benefit. Don't do things which are a detriment to someone else. So this is a principle. This is a life principle. I'm going to give you some life principles tonight. That's the first principle that I'm going to give you here tonight that we're pulling out of this text. Don't do things which have no benefit. If it doesn't have any benefit, if it doesn't identify, why are you doing it? What's the point? Don't waste your life. Paul said in another place, redeem the time. Don't waste your life. Just write that down as a principle. Why am I doing things that don't have benefit? Examine your life. Look at what you're doing. Does this benefit? The second principle is found... Here in the next
0: verse, let's read the next verse, verse 24. Let no man seek his own, yes. but every man another's wealth.
1: All right, so now now this old, old English here in the KJV we're reading from uses the word wealth that probably has gives us the wrong idea here, but what he's talking about there is not physical wealth, monetary wealth, but spiritual wealth. Let no man seek his own or his own good, don't just seek to, what can I do for myself? What, what is permissible for me? Don't just be selfish. <laughs> Say this with me. It's not all about me. Repeat as necessary. Right? This is, this is a principle that's very important in our life. Seek the spiritual wealth or benefit of others. Seek the spiritual benefit of others. I'm going to tell you, it's more blessed to give than receive. And that's not just talking about a monetary thing. God will prove himself financially when you give to him. You cannot give the Lord. But it is more blessed to give than receive. When you seek the good of others, spiritual wealth of others, it will return back to you. What do you gain? By demanding something, fighting over something, struggling. Well, bless God, I ought to be able to do this. Paul says, don't make it all about you. Let's read on. Well, let me read read this verse. Well, here it is. In the MEV, the modern English version, 1 Corinthians 10, 24, reads this way. Let no man seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. So that means, this is what Paul has just made a strong argument for, that includes giving up your rights for the benefit of others. So this is countercultural to where we live today here in America, okay? Now we have a lot of good things about America. There's a lot of great things about America. We thank God for that. There's a lot of good uh, uh, foundations. I know it's it's not flawless. I know there's a lot of problems, and there's a lot of problems right now. And yes, there's always been problems in the past. It's not perfect. But there are a lot of benefits, and we're reaping a lot of those benefits today. We, think we ought to be thankful and grateful for those benefits. But contrary to probably our American way of life, because Americans uh, have been very rights conscious, and I'm not saying all of that is bad, but Fight for our rights, our rights, our rights. We have to be careful that we don't take that too far and bring that into our faith. Because faith, what we're seeing here, what Paul is teaching, is faith requires us at times to lay down our rights, never to fight for them to the detriment of another. What Paul lets us know is that when we fight for our rights to the detriment of another, it is always the source of pride. And pride can even come into the church. And I've seen, if I can be totally candid and completely honest, I have seen far too many ministers, men and women of God, become eat up by bitterness and pride takes over and contentions and divisions, and they're fighting over and they get in a public fight, and it's just it's just ugly. It just gets ugly, and nobody wins in those situations. When really the whole time you step back and look and like, why are they fighting? Because they're on the same side. And so what faith this is countercultural because we're not taught to do this in our culture. We are taught to stand up for our rights. And this is where I I have to pray through over this and say, okay, God, I have to be willing to lay down my rights and my liberties for another person, to prefer your brethren. So be careful that in whatever liberties we are given in the church, that it's not promoted through a spirit of arrogance or a spirit of pride. Well, that's good preaching, good teaching. And I'll say this, I am on the Internet tonight, and I am online, but I don't pass through the Internet. I pastor O'Fallon. God didn't call me to the Internet. That's foolish. What arrogant man thinks that God, he's the only spoken, chosen, holy, anointed person to preach to the whole entire world?
0: You're not that great.
1: So because I don't pass through the Internet, I, I'm careful and cautious. And we have constant discussion about this in our office. When we post things, when we put things out, we have to be careful that in our abilities and our freedoms here, we are not trying to tear someone else down. What benefit is it if we tear someone else down to grow our network? Yeah. What have we done? When the waters rise, all the boats rise together. Yeah. I want God to send revival to CTK, but I don't want Him to send revival to CTK at the expense of other places, yeah. other apostolic churches. No, God, send revival to all of them and let it be so great that it overflows. Let the Holy Ghost start being poured out in yeah. denominational churches, churches that don't even maybe know about it or believe in it. Yeah. Let the Spirit of God move so great and it falls there.
0: Yeah, yeah, amen. Right? Yeah. yeah,
1: Amen. So we have to be careful That we don't just get up and say, bless God, this is my right and I get out there because I've got a Christian liberty or I've got a revelation about how we live. And so I just lamb blast everybody else that doesn't agree with us and walk in lockstep with us. No, we are all on the same team. We ought to be marching to the same place and we better remember and be humble enough to realize that we could be wrong. And you don't want to come to the end of your road, and I've seen it happen, and it's tragic. When men get at the end of the road and they, they stay, they say, I, I've had elders say to me, you know, I was wrong about that, and, and we made amends, and we came together, and we got it worked out. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, you two got it worked out, but in the middle, there was a crossfire of a whole bunch of other people that you lost. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on. Chapter 10, verse 25,
0: Lord, help us tonight, help me. Whatsoever is sold in in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Okay,
1: now this is an interesting thing. First of all, if you have the KJV here, the shambles, what is called shambles is literally like butcher stalls or meat markets. It's where you would go and buy your meat at the local market. Aren't you glad that we don't call the grocery store shambles anymore like that probably? go down to the shambles, but that's what they would call it back then. That's where they would sell the meat. Now, what Paul does here is he gives three. This is interesting because after he's already established what we've been talking about, he gives us three situations that you might find yourself in with regard. He's coming back to this meat offered idol and he's giving three situations here that they might find themselves in. This is the first situation. The first situation, he says, when you go to the shambles and you buy the meat, don't don't ask them, was this offered to idols? It's just meat. You're just there to buy the meat. I love, I love the simplicity of Paul here. He's literally saying, go about your life without anxiety over your conscience. Don't turn everything into a sin. Don't make everything evil. Just live your life. This is good, this is good teaching. Don't be so on edge that you're so worried about everything that you buy, everything that you do. Just live your life. When you're going to buy meat, you go to buy meat. Buy the meat, go home, cook the meat, thank God for the meat, pray over the meat, eat the meat, go back, buy the meat. Don't don't worry about it. Just live your life. Don't be worried about everything. I mean, this is a good, this is a good principle for us today. When I need toothpaste. I just go and I'm buying toothpaste. I'm not looking and wondering, is the toothpaste maker a spirit-filled Christian? Does this toothpaste maker pay his tithes? Does this toothpaste maker... I'm just buying toothpaste. Okay? So I'm just buying toothpaste. Now, if I'm going to buy toothpaste and I find that it says... The devil's toothpaste, proceeds of this toothpaste are being sent straight to the devil. Don't buy the toothpaste. (laughs) I mean, this is getting really deep, right? But Paul is releasing us. He said, look, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You have to live your life. You have to work, you have to eat, you have to have clothes, buy clothes, make clothes, wear clothes. You have to go places, you have to do things. God made the world, he made the universe, he made you and he put you in it. So living life inherently is not evil in and of itself. So don't make things worse than they are.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I have this little guy in the back of my head that's saying, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. Stop, Andrew, just, just preach the word. My goodness, I'm not on Facebook. So for some people think that I am. My wife is, and she posts pictures of us. I have no clue what she's posting. Whenever people will text me or I'll run into people after a few years and they'll say, oh, I love everything that's going on. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but. <laughs> But man, sometimes you're out there and you're just like, my goodness, I don't know. All all I wanted was ice cream. All I wanted was this. I didn't know that I was contributing, you know, to the campaigns of hell or whatever else. You know, it's like you see all of this stuff. I just, I just needed floss, you know? Like, whatever. Paul is saying, just live your life. Just go about your life. Don't ask. Don't go around. Sinners gonna do what sinner's gonna do, they're gonna sin. So just buy your meat and eat your meat. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I, I don't know about you, but that's liberating for me. Thank God. Just just live your life. Okay? So so whatever whatever you do, you're a you're a contractor. You work or whatever. You you can't be going around wondering about what everybody has done in their last night or life or what. Just live your life. Just do it. It doesn't matter. If I'm going about my day and I'm, I'm meeting people or doing things or, or buying something, I meet them. I know they're a sinner. I don't care what kind of sinner they are. I can sometimes sense that they're a sinner. It doesn't matter. They're a sinner. They need God. They're they're subject to all the lies of hell right now. I'm not worried about it. I'm just I'm just buying gas. I'm just doing whatever I'm doing out there. You don't get involved in that. Just live your life. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Okay? So that's the first scenario. Okay? The second scenario, let's go to chapter 10, verse 27. Here we go. Scenario number two.
0: If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go, All right. whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake.
1: Here it is again. Here it is again. If anyone asks you to go to dinner and you feel like going, go. <laughs> Did you guys know that this was in the Bible? Did you all know that this was in the Bible? <laughs> go. Now, you're not, the, you're, not going, you're not going to the pagan's temple. He's already talked about that. You know, you're not walking into that place and saying, yeah, I'm just here for the ribs. No, he's not talking about that. But he says if somebody's asking you to go to a feast and they're asking you, hey, come over to my house and eat. And you feel like going, go there and eat. Now, I want you to note something. This is important. Paul expected early Christians to eat with sinners. Yeah.
0: All right. yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: You know a good way to win people is to eat with them? So eat with them. So I'm am I'm, I'm 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 worried their bad spirits going to jump on me. Well, are you filled with the Holy Ghost or not? Are you blood bought or not? Are you have you been redeemed? Have you really been set free or not? You've been healed, cured, and given the inoculation that makes you indefensible to any other temptation or sin that comes into your life. So Paul just says, go eat with them, all right? And don't ask where they bought the meat. (laughs) Just eat the meat. Amen? All right? Don't, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can make our, we can make living for God more anxious than it needs to be. And you're overthinking it you're over worried about everything we just need to stop pause a little bit breathe and trust god and thank god
0: for the good things that he's done and live your life all right okay read on but if any man say unto you all right this is offered in sacrifice unto idols all right this is situation number three eat not for his sake that showed it But for conscience sake. And for conscience sake. And for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof.
1: There it is. There it is. All right. Now, the same principle that enables my liberty, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So, therefore, I don't have to worry about things. I just live my life because it's, it's it's all sanctified by the Lord. It's all created by God. My life, living my life is not inherently evil, but living my life ought to bring glory to God. Well, that same principle, says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, if when I am eating, if when I do go to someone's house, if when I am eating at that place, they make a point of saying, oh, and tonight we are eating this, we are eating this meat offered to the goddess of Venus or whatever goddess that they had there other goddess, that was one of them in Corinth, in then all of a the sudden, they have now publicly invited me to partake in something that does not bring glory to God, but opens, opens the door to the demonic, opens the door to uh, idolatry. And it's interesting that Paul doesn't say, you don't eat it for your conscious sake. He says, you don't eat it for their conscious sake. Because I know, hey, yeah, I know what you're thinking, but I know who God is. I can eat the meat. I'm going to go home, sleep fine. I'm, I'm not doing anything. But what I am doing then is I would be giving the wrong signal saying that I am partaking and I am therefore endorsing what they are doing. And now... Paul says, you decline. Now that puts us in a very difficult situation because that puts us in an awkward situation. That puts us in the situation where we might be at someone's house where we're the guest of honor, or whatever, and they create this, and now they make this thing. And now we have, to, we have to respectfully decline and we have to be the oddball out. We have to be the one to make the scene. But Paul says, he doesn't say you have to do it ugly. He doesn't say you have to be mean or whatever else. But Paul says you have to do that for their conscience sake. Because why? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And you live for the glory of God. And if they are saying, we are doing this unto the goddess Venus, then your reply is, well, I'm not partaking of that because I serve the one true God. And you have to come to that. And so Paul now is giving us a path forward in three situations of how we ought to deal with things here. And he says, read verse 29.
0: Conscience, I say, not thine own, Yes. But the other. Yes. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? All right, so Paul says this. You don't
1: want to let, you don't want to let your liberty be judged by another man's conscience. Your liberty permits me to do it. Okay, I can do it because I know the idol's nothing. I know that God's everything, so I can eat the meat. It doesn't matter, it's just meat. It doesn't matter what they say over it. God's the one that created that. God's the one that provided for it. I could eat it. That's my spiritual liberty. But by me partaking in that, they are going to think, ah, here's a Christian that is now partaking in a pagan ceremony or a pagan practice, and now their conscience is thought or taught to think that this is okay, this is what Christians do. And he says, no, for their conscience sake, you would withhold yourself from that. So this is a a relevant principle to us today because we ought to, in 2023, when you are in company with sinners, and this will probably be most often on your job, in your workplace, but maybe in your family, maybe even at... The, the, the holidays, maybe with wherever. There's going to be opportunity and occasion where people want to do things and that's where you have to say, you know what, I don't do that. So you go to the work party, but when the drinking starts, you say, I'm sorry, you, you politely excuse yourself. You decline those offers. They understand, they know. And, and you do it lovingly and you do it respectfully. And what does it do? It brings glory to God. And it allows them to know that you are living by another rule. You don't stand up there and condemn them with a bull, take a bullhorn and say, you're all going to hell. He didn't say that. He said, just decline for their conscience sake. I'm going to tell you. I think sometimes we think that being a witness and a testimony means that we have to take out a billboard and we have to take out a bullhorn. And what Paul and what Christ is saying is just live your life. Yeah, yeah. And when you live your life, you're going to walk different, and they're going to notice that, and they're going to see that, and they're going to understand that. And so you don't do everything. There's certain things I don't do. There's been times where I've gone to parties and I've I've been in weddings and I've, I've when I was younger. And you you go around and okay, I can do here. I can do this part of the fellowship. I can do this part of the meal, but at this part of the night, I've got to leave At This part of the, th- I've got to turn this. I've got to walk away when they all pull out this stuff. I, okay. Hey guys. I'm, I, and you have to dismiss yourself, excuse yourself. And you have to walk away. Don't you dare sit there and sit through it and think, well, I got enough Holy Ghost. I'm going to be okay. Because what he says is happening. First of all, you may not be okay. You could fall. And the second thing is you're sending the wrong signal to everybody that it's okay.
0: Read on. For if I, by grace, be a partaker, All right. why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? All right, so what Paul is saying here is if you decide,
1: I, I, I'm going to go ahead and eat this meat offered to idols, and I'm going to give thanks to God for it. <laughs> he said, no, they're going to talk about you, and they're, they're going to they're they're speak evil. You can't give thanks to God for food that has already been publicly designated to the devil and think that it's okay. You can't can't thank God for certain things and then bring all kinds of evil and iniquity into your house. You can't say, okay, I'm living for God and I thank God for life, and then you've got all kinds of other iniquity in your life.
0: Read on. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God.
1: Yes, the earth is the Lord and the fullness of God. You, you, You live for the Lord in everything you do. He's bringing it down. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God. What's this telling us? Well, it's telling us here that how you live matters. How you live and how you act in front of others matters. Read on. Give none offense. Yes. Neither to the Jews. Yes. Nor to the Gentiles. Yes. Nor to the church of God. Okay, let's pause there for a moment. And I'm almost done, so the kids can come down in just a second. Give none offense. Now, Paul gives three different groups to the Jews to the Gentiles, or to the church of God. I'll tell you what, you don't offend a Gentile the same way you offend a Jew. And you don't offend a Gentile and Jew the same way you offend somebody in the church. So he's got different scenarios here. And Paul says it's circumstantial. Your liberties, your rights are all subject to the circumstance. Don't seek your own, but seek the good of another. Another. And live your life not to offend any. So I think that's that's cause for us to examine. Where have I ever offended somebody else? Yeah, yeah. And now in today's world, we're not just talking about what we actually live out, but we're also, also talking about how we live out digitally, socially. What you post, what you say, what you do, what's your spirit behind all of that. I wish there was no offense on Facebook. I wish there was no offense on social media. Are you posting something hoping that somebody will see it to make a point? Are you living your life to give offense? Or are you living your life in everything? Am I I reading that wrong? Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, fill in the blank, do all to the glory of God. So if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your social media account offends you, delete it. Yeah. Yeah. If whatever offends you, get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Lay down because your your fight for your Christian liberties is not worth the arrogance that's going to lead you back to the same place that God brought you from. Amen. And give no offense. Read on. Even as I please all men in all things. Yes, I please all men, he says, in all things. Not seeking my own profit. Not seeking my own profit. But the profit of many. The benefit of many. Why? That they may be saved. That they may be saved. Paul emphasized here not to simply focus on what is legal in the Christian life, but focus rather on what doesn't offend others, that they may be saved. And the final verse of this segment is actually the first verse of the next chapter because it's verse 2 that starts the next segment. Read the next verse, 11 and 1, and we'll close with this. Be ye followers of me. Paul says, be ye
0: followers of me. Even as I also am of Christ.
1: Even as I also am of Christ. Paul testifies of his own life example as one that points to Christ. He said he had already said, "Look, I, I've gone without." He said, "I could have been married, but I've chosen not to." He said, "I could have, I could have, I could have taken money from the churches, but I chose to work." He said, "I, I could have done other things, but I, I've, cho- I've surrendered those rights. Those were my rights. Those were my liberties. But because in the circumstance that I was in, it was best for me not to do this." He said, "I yielded those rights, and I gave those rights away so that I could maybe help reach." some so that God could use me to benefit someone else. Oh, I would to God that we could live our life in such a way that we would live it to benefit another. Amen. Amen. Can we stand together? Do you thank God for his word tonight?